You are listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. We finished up a series last, last week called Revive out of the book of Ezekiel, talking about the heart. How about, and, and so in the process of doing this, I had prepared for it for months, but in the process, I decided that after two years with the pandemic stopping it, it was time for me to go to the doctor and have a heart and a life checkup, do a little physical, make sure I'm doing pretty good. I thought I was doing pretty good. And I show up and we do the blood tests, we go through all the normal stuff. They, they check me out and they say, man, you're doing really good. Your, your cholesterol's down, your weight is somewhat down. And, was up a little bit during COVID. Anybody other than me had their weight go up a little bit. And uh, it gets to the end, and then the doctor says, but I want to talk to you about one thing. Your blood pressure. Because it's really high. And he looks through my record, and he sees that I have a consistently high blood pressure reading. Now, I listened to him. He gave me his arguments, told me, you know, and just to be transparent, just so you know what I'm talking about, it runs in my family. I do take medicine for it, and it continues to be around 145, 150, over 90 all the time. And most of you know this, right? The normal blood pressure is supposed to be at or below 120 over the, you already know I'm in trouble. So he gives me his lecture and says, you've got to do something about this. And I go to the car, and I start doing the exact same thing that I always do. Oh, well, he doesn't know. That was just because I drank coffee before. Oh, you know, I'll get back, and I'll start my exercise program and change my diet a little bit, and I'll fix it really quick. Oh, you know, I've got all the reasons in the world why this is not a big problem. He's going to give me some better drugs. It'll take care of the problem. And I get to the car. I'm sitting there thinking about it for a minute before I go. You ever had God kind of like two by four you upside the head? You guys know what I'm talking about? I felt like God was whacking me and said, Scott, you've been ignoring or excusing or short-terming it, coming up with quick fixes all your life. When are you going to actually do something about it? And I realized in that moment that I don't have a health problem. I have a habit problem. I don't just have a blood pressure issue. I got a habit issue that's affecting my blood pressure and showing up in the numbers. Would you agree? How many of you, don't raise a hand, but how many of you know of an issue in your life that's unhealthy and you blame or excuse or ignore or quick fix it to death, but you still have the problem because it's a habit problem, not a health problem. Well, that's why we're doing this theory. We're going to turn to the book of Malachi, and is in a season where we're going back to school and some of us back to the work environments, and life is kind of trying to move the right direction, even though we're still dealing with all of the health issues and concerns, I want us to look at our habit. And we're going to look at a book called Malachi. It's the last book of the Old Testament, right before Matthew. We're going to use this book to help us come up with four words that are going to address our habit issue. Four words, starting with the first one today, the word I've turned out of this passage, Beth. Everybody say Beth. Oh, no, you can do better than that later in the afternoon here. 
You've been awake for a while. Everybody say best. best. I want the best. All right, that's what we're going to talk about today. Great place to do it too. Malachi is this last message from God before there's 400 years of silence when Jesus shows up. It's his last reminder to the people. He's brought them back from exile. He's reestablished them in Jerusalem. He's set up the city again. The temple's back in function. And they're starting to get back to their habits, to their routines. But God is saying, you're not shooting for the best. You're shooting for just the good. He, he wants to give them a message about their behaviors, about their habits, and call them to their best. And we look at it, and this first word on best comes out of chapter 1. Here's how this story begins. It's a prophecy, a word of the Lord that comes through Malachi to the people of Israel. And he says in verse 2, I have loved you. Now, I could have just preached on that all morning. God says, I started. I went first. I've loved you. I'm your God, and I've demonstrated it by my love. I created this world for you. I gave you life. I've put you in relationship. I rescued you from Egypt. I brought you to this place and gave you this land. I custom made this land for you. I gave you the temple. I established my name in your presence. I've guided you with the cloud of pillar of fire and pillar of smoke, and, I, and I've brought you to this place, and then you rejected me, and I sent you to the exile, that's fine, I've brought you back, I've constantly demonstrated love for you, I went first, by the way, just a word, somebody needs to hear this, you know what love is in your marriage, somebody going first, you know what love is in your family, choosing to go first. Love in a broken relationship, apologizing first. And God's saying, I've loved you. Don't, don't you remember? Can't you see it? Get down a few verses. Verse 6. You know, a son honors his father and a slave his master. If I'm your father, where's the honor due me? If I'm your master, if you call me Lord, if that's what you tell people, oh, he's our Lord, he's our Yahweh, he's our God, where's the respect to me? Says the Lord Almighty. What he's saying is, you guys are good about talking about it, you bring your sacrifices in occasionally, you play the game, you look the part, but your habits and your life don't match. You say the words, but your habits and your life behavior look the exact opposite. See, because here's the thing. Your life is a reflection of your habits. Psalm 20, or Proverbs 27, 19, I've been in Proverbs this month. As water reflects the face, so one's life or habits reflect the heart. Jesus said it this way, out of your heart, that's where your mouth That's where your habit. Your life reflects your habits. And God is saying to the people, hey, I, I recognize that you know me as the Lord, but do your habits and lifestyle match? You know, when, when you say one thing, <laughs> you know this, 
and you do another, there's a word for that. We call that person a hypocrite. Do you know the word? I was reading the story of a priest who said he was coming back to his home one day. You know, the place where he worked and home was the same place. And he's going back, there's a convent there, and he's coming through, and there's this guy that jumps out of a dark alley with a hoodie on, and he holds the priest up and says, Raise your hands, your money or your life. And the priest stops and looks around, and, and then as he reaches into his pocket, the robber realizes that, oh, he's a priest. and says, oh, wait, 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 Father, you don't have to do that. No, never mind. Just go on your way. You're fine. I, I didn't realize you were a priest. The priest says, oh. And then he realizes he's got chocolate. He pulls out a chocolate bar to give to the guy. He says, you need this probably. You need this more than me. And the robber says, oh, oh, no, Father. I gave up, I gave up chocolate for Lent. Maybe he should have given up Reese's and instead of Reese's given up being a robber. You ever done that? I mean, come on. You know, I, I want my blood pressure to go down. Oh, but I don't want to change the habits to do it. So I really don't want. I want God to be in charge of my life, but then I'm going to tell him what I want to do. I really don't. I can claim it to the world, but I don't live it. I'm not really true. And God is turning to the people of Israel and saying, you've got a habit issue. And now here's the thing. For, for what he's going to teach them in the rest of this passage in chapter 1, their habit, they have this keystone habit. See, habits, habits have this way. I could teach on this all day just as a motivational speech. But habits have this way of defining our life and bringing out the best in us when we implement them. And there's these keystone, momentary, one-time habit that seems to kick off all the other habits. For me, during the pandemic, I realized this about two weeks in. When I get up in the morning and take a shower, it kicks off other healthy habits for me that otherwise don't happen until I take in that shower. Now, you're just glad I take a shower. But it kicks off brushing my teeth and washing my hair and coming with and putting on good clothes. All the stuff that happens after that comes from that one keystone habit. For the Israelites, God knows this about them. And he knows it about you too. Worship is your keystone habit. If you don't give God first place and best in your life, then you tend to forget to do it in other areas of your life. And that's exactly what was happening with Israel. Where's the respect due me, he said. You don't care about worship, and it's affecting the rest of your life. When you came to the temple, he said, you were expecting me to be the best to you. I'm expecting you to become your best. That's the key for you and me. That's why this word is so important. Not to have the best, not to be, not to be owning the best, not to wear the best, not to live in the best, not to drive the best, but to become the best that you were designed to be. That is worshiping the Lord that created you. And he's saying to the people, 
Life reflects our habit. Three points he's going to make in this message through Malachi. God wants best people. And if you take nothing else from what I'm going to teach you now, I would love it if you would take that word best and let that be the driver to your life this week. I would love it if students would go back to school, if students are in this room, you would go back to school saying, I'm going to be best at who I am in my school. I'm going to be the best worker in my workplace. I'm going to be the best person I can be in my family. I'm going to develop habits that make me the best I've ever been. That's what he's going to teach them in the rest of this passage. Starting at verse 7. It says, it's you priests who show contempt for my name. You don't even back up. You don't even call for people's best. Well, what do you mean? They ask. Well, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. Now what he's talking about is their their annual sacrifice. What Israelites were responsible to do as a part of their worship. It, like you and I, we, we would be living out somewhere in Israel if we were one of them, and we'd bring our best animal, our sheep or our goat or our cow, whatever it was, for the sacrifice to our God. You would travel all the way there to get to the temple to make this sacrifice. Many people would decide out of their flock what they wanted to donate instead of bringing the best that they had. But nobody would know because, you know, no one other than my family would know I didn't bring the bed. And then you'd get there, and here's what the priests were doing. You'd get there with your sheep, oh, meh, 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 bring it to the sacrifice. And they'd walk up to the temple to give their sacrifice to their Lord, and the priest would say, well, you know what, that sheep, that's not, that's not good enough. It, it, it's defiled. It, it, it has a spot on it, it has a blemish, it's not the right size. But we've got sheep in the back here. We'll, we'll take yours as a trade-in and we'll upgrade you to the sheep that's going to be the right sacrifice for your God. And they would say, okay, and they'd pay the extra money and the sheep would go be led back to the back pen and they'd bring out another sheep that just happened to come in earlier, kind of like trade-in cars, bring that car right back out and give them another sheep from somebody else that they had just robbed or taken money from. And they get a different sheep that wasn't really any better, but was just profitable. And he's saying, look what you're doing to my altar. Defiled, substandard. What that means. Not that the sheep was wrong. Your hearts are wrong. You didn't bring your best. You didn't make your best effort. Because best people give their best effort. And oh, by the way, he says this phrase, this, is, this should really jump off the page to you and I. You bring defiled food to my altar. Not the Jews' altar, not Jerusalem's altar, not the temple's altar, not the priest's altar. By the way, not Scott's altar, not Scott's church, not your church. You're bringing it to the holy presence of God. It's my altar. Can I, can I just pause for a second and let that sink in? When you come to worship, just talk to the people in the room for a minute. When you come to worship, you, you're called to bring your best worship to him. Not just be sinners, but be servants. Not just watch, 
but worship. You're called to give him your best effort. And if you're watching online, that's great that you're doing that. I don't know when you're watching it. I don't know what time you're watching, whether it's live or afterwards. I don't care where you're sitting. You're in the presence of God. If your intention is to worship, give him your best. I know it's a little awkward. I mean, you guys remember when we were all locked out? Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's really hard in your home. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Because you're in the presence of God. His altar. Bring your best. I only got one amen out of all that. Best people give their full effort. That speaks to the student who, who kind of just slid by during the pandemic. Give your best for his sake. That speaks to the worker who's, you know, cheating their boss out of time while they're watching their social media or looking at their accounts online. Don't go to work to do what you want, go to work to serve the people that you work for. That speaks to every church member that God isn't here to serve you. He does that already. He already loves you. You're here to serve Him. That's what worship is. Give your best effort. Let me keep going. He goes on. Get down to verse 11. My name, he says, this is God speaking through Malachi. My name will be great among the nations. There's no doubt. There's no way to stop it. It's immutable. He will be great. His name is always great. He goes on. From where the sun rises to where it sets. That means everywhere. In every place, every country, every location, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But, oh, I hate the but. You profane it. You bring it down by saying that the Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemptible. And then you say, and this is really what gets to me, what a burden. Oh, i got to bring another sacrifice to the Lord. i got to carry my sheep, my goat, down there again. i got to go to church in the temple. Oh, it just takes so much time. Oh my gosh, we've got to get these kids going. I know nobody says this in this room. I just get in there and get the car. And I'm tired. I'm hungry. I've been working all week long. Oh, it's just such a burden. Come on. I mean, you know what's really hard about church, and I'm just speaking from when I remember starting in my own faith journey. You go to church and they always tell you what you're doing wrong. You go to church and he's always like, oh, come on, people. Live a moral life. Live, live pure. Rise to the best for God. Serve. Give. Do. Be the man, the woman that God wants you to be in your marriage. Be the family member you were called to be. And you feel like, man, why bother going? What a burden. You know Why? Because when you let God make you the best you can be, then he makes the best through you as well. 
When my when I was growing up as a teenager, we had soccer was this brand new sport. That's how old I am. We didn't have it in schools. And then when I was a sophomore, they decided to add a soccer program to the high school athletic program. We were a travel team that would go play other schools that actually had soccer because our little country school league did not have soccer in the program. So we'd go play these bigger schools, bigger teams, and we would travel around for the first two years. It was cool. But then the May before the, my senior year in high school, the coach comes to us and says, hey, listen up. There's four of us seniors the next year. Listen up, guys. Next year, they're going to actually put us in the league that's the city league. So we actually have a soccer program that's in a league that competes for state championships. We will be playing against schools that are bigger, better, faster, stronger, more developed, have learned more than I can ever teach you. But I want you to come back next year, all four of you, and I want you to set the tone for the future of our soccer program. I took that seriously. So instead of like goofing off all summer long, because I know you guys didn't do that this summer, but I like to goof off in the summer when I was a kid. Anybody other than me just goof off? Okay. That summer I didn't goof off. I set up a training program. I started running miles. I, I, ran, I hate running. But I started running miles around neighborhoods. Can I confess something to you? Like I didn't say this in first service. This will take longer. But I figured out where the two prettiest girls were and where they lived. And then I would run around by the girls' houses. It was motivation. <laughs> they never knew I ran by. I never got a date. But I was... But I trained all summer long, and I worked on some skills. And I was just a fullback in the back of the soccer team. I wasn't even that skilled to score goals. Came back to the first practice. First practice every single soccer year was exactly the same. The coach would have us running laps and running back and forth across the field, doing suicide drills and getting us in shape. And I was watching, and after about the second race, I'm beating the guys who were much faster than me. They're like, you know how sometimes food comes up the other way instead of the way it's supposed to? That happens when you're not in shape. And I'm ready to go. And all I shared that with you to tell you was, it's set a tone. Parents, I hope you hear that message. Your best in you sets the tone for your kid. Your best effort demonstrates what God wants to do in their life as well. And I wrote it down this way, best people seek the calling over the cost. They pursue what best is for each them, for them individually so that people are infected by that around them. And if you don't live to your best, church, don't expect the world to even try. God's telling the people, quit bringing substandard life and quit profaning my name saying it's a burden I'm calling you to be the best <laughs> the idea of habits is to develop the best in us so that the best can come out of it but God's not done one more lesson 
See, when you bring these injured, lame, or diseased animals, when you don't give your best, when you don't serve, when you don't make the effort to grow in me, did I accept that from you? And verse 14 really struck me. I've read this verse, I don't know, a hundred times probably in all these years. He says, cursed is the chief who has an acceptable best to give me, but then holds it back. Cursed is the chief. Wow. This is God talking to his people. I looked up that word cursed. And what he's saying is, he's not telling Malachi, oh, curse these people because they're not doing the right thing. That is not God at all. What he's saying is, I've got it built into the system. When you don't give your best to God, instead of favor from God, you get discipline. When you don't live best, then expect the consequences of the things I've built into the system to be a curse to you. Like if you don't work, don't expect money to pay your bills. It's built into the system. When you don't take care of your health, don't expect your health to be golden. It's, it's built into the system. Curse. I'm trying to help you avoid that. Because I built the system. And then he says, cheat. And I'm like, ooh, would you want God to call you a cheat? That's a label word. I mean, we don't, we don't want anybody to label us. Right? I mean, that's kind of the whole thing. And Or we want to pick our labels and tell everybody what they're supposed to say about us. This is God himself calling people a cheat. It's a label. That's an identity word. And best people choose that identity instead of the shortcut. Best people are the ones that choose by their habits what they want their identity to be. See, good habits create good labels. Oh, he's a hard worker. She's a loyal friend. They are committed believers. That couple is loving each other the way it's supposed to be. We start labeling things good for the people that have good habits. We also label them when they don't. It's so lazy. Don't. I saw that husband get nudged by his wife. Don't do that. She is impatient. They're such a quitter. Do we do this? Your habits create your label. And those habits develop who you are. Choose the identity instead of the shortcut. Because eventually, that'll be who you are. This is a big thing. Because God is trying to tell him through Malachi, I, I'm, the, I'm the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are my family. You are the golden family of all. You should be respected by all the world. And I want you to live to that standard. But you keep substituting things in for that. Instead of going for the gold of purity, you keep living sexually impure. 
Instead of living within your means, you keep going into debt. Instead of bringing your best to me in worship, you just keep choosing when you're going to come and when you'll decide to participate. You're my children. You're the best label of all. Son and daughter of the Most High God. Hallelujah. So shoot for that. And you're listening to all this. Okay, best people, full effort, falling over cost, identity over sex. Man, this is hard. And Scott, and this is true, by the way. Scott, I'm a student. I've studied and studied for the test, and I still didn't get a good grade. I bet parents, you've heard that from your kids before. Yes? I, I worked really hard for this boss, and they never gave me a break. In fact, they were terrible to me. Yes, that does happen. I saved and saved and saved and never got anywhere, and then some bill comes in, and I can't pay it. Stuck in debt. I get it. But God does something in His grace when you and I keep shooting for the best we can. Rod Cooper tells the story of growing up when he was a kid. He's 10 years old. He was part of a farming family. And so, as part of a farming family, he said, I had the privilege of getting up every morning 4 a.m. to go rattle up all the cows and get them in there so they could be milked. Volunteer for that family. 4 a.m., he comes in. They come in after milking the cows for breakfast. And he sees his mom just many days has this big cauldron pot on the stove and water in it. And it's starting to boil. And she's chopping up these fresh vegetables and meat and all these things are being put into this pot for the soup she's making. He's like, great, it's going to be soup day today. And then come back after they work all morning for lunch and walking in and there's that soup boiling. Oh, we're going to have soup for lunch. No, son, Rod, we're not having it for lunch. you got to wait till dinner. Eat their lunch, go out, do some more work, finish up their day. He said, dinner time came. Dad was the first one at the table at dinner. The only time I saw him beat me. All of us get to the table. Mom, mom takes that pot of soup and brings it over to the table and sits it right smack in the middle of the table. And she takes the lid off of the pot and the aroma comes up and it smells so good. We're ready to eat soup. He said to his mom one time, Mom, why do we have to wait till dinner? Like, why couldn't we eat this at lunch? I needed to eat it at lunch to get through the day. Rod said his mom said this. He said, son, we have to let it simmer so that all the juices of the ingredients can come out. And then when they're all mixed together, that brings that aroma that you smell. But more than that, when you give it the time to simmer, it brings out the best of the ingredients so that you get the best out of the meat. Maybe this past season, has been God getting all of us chopped up and put into the soup so that he can raise that lid of all the effort that you've made all these years to be your best. And when he raised that lid, he smells the aroma of our worship. That's my kid. That's what I'm looking for. 
Not perfect, but constantly letting the best come. As we get back to school, back to work, trying to see, move through this whole season to something better, your challenge today as we begin these habits is not to set goals, but to choose habit that bring out your best. I gave you a little habit sheet, not a goal sheet. But just look across your life and think about this for a minute today. We'll use this throughout the whole series. I want you to look across your life and say, what's one key habit I need to develop? For me, I've got some health work to do. I've already started. Oh, by the way, I measured my blood pressure yesterday. 140 over 80. It's getting there. What's the habit? The daily, weekly, monthly, annual habit you need to put in place. Not goal. Habit. We talk about four around here. Word, prayer, service, love. Habit. So that God can bring out his best in your life. Jesus, I just ask for your help in this. Today's word is best. We don't want to shoot or the weak, or the simple, or the shortchanged, or the, or the thing that cost us the least. We want to be the best you've designed us to be. So help us to choose habits starting today that bring out our best. I pray for people in this room who have changes they need to make, that you would give them the courage to start today establishing habits that change their life. Help us as we try to do that. And may you get all of our worship, all of our praise for your great because you loved us. Thank you for your love for us, for Jesus. Help us to do our best in return. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Hey, I want you to turn your attention. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.